You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. A recently released report has provided a snapshot of the rate and appropriateness of antimicrobial use in Australian hospitals. National Antimicrobial Prescribing Practice, results of the 2014 National Antimicrobial Prescribing Survey, was released by the Australian Commission on Safety and Quality in Healthcare and the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship at the Peter Doherty Institute for Infection and Immunity. I'm joined by University of Melbourne Associate Professor Karen Thursky, Director of NC. CIS to discuss the survey. Welcome, Karen. Hello. Just under a quarter of the approximately 20,000 prescriptions surveyed were non-compliant with guidelines and 23% were deemed to be inappropriate. What did the survey involve and how was the information gathered? This survey allows a very detailed look at look to see exactly how people are prescribing antibiotics. So just in a little bit more detail, we ask hospitals to undertake the survey and to choose the type of patients and wards, uh, even the hospital type, um, so that we get a very detailed understanding of exactly what they're doing with antibiotics. This includes things such as, is the choice of the antibiotic too broad? Is it the wrong antibiotic? Is it the wrong dose? Has the antibiotic been prescribed too long? Um, and the survey itself is very flexible. So depending on the expertise of the hospital, they can set up their survey to collect a lot of information or sort of what we, what we will call minimum standards of indication. Having a flexible survey tool means that the uh, participation has significantly increased since the 2013 maps. Um, and it's very exciting for us to see that we're starting to see our rural and regional areas and private hospitals becoming more involved. Doing antibiotic surveys is quite labour intensive, so it is really important that the information that comes from these surveys is something that is considered useful and informative for those hospitals. So the survey is set up so that after it's done, the, um, the results are immediately uh, uh, available in a uh, dashboard format that can be immediately fed back to the hospital executives and to the uh, clinical staff. Um, and we're finding that this sort of information, which is um, very relevant to the hospital, allows them to modify their antibiotic stewardship programs. What else did the survey reveal about the antimicrobial prescribing practices across uh, the 197 public and 51 private hospitals that were audited? What was particularly interesting is that, in fact, there's not a whole lot of difference between different size hospitals and private and public. And one of the most common things that we see are that the indication is not written down anywhere. So this is obviously very important when we are trying to understand why antibiotics are prescribed when there is no indication written by the medical staff. Not only for the other um, carers looking after that patient, but in particular for nurses who are trying to understand why the patients are on antibiotics and when they could be ready to switch to oral antibiotics, for example. So the indication not being charted is, is an important finding and we would consider that as really a fairly basic requirement for all prescribers. The next thing are the type of infections that have a lot of inappropriate prescribing and your listeners may be interested to know that really infection prescribing in hospitals is very much driven by two key areas. 
One is the use of antibiotics in surgery and the second is the use of antibiotics for um, respiratory infections. Um, Community-acquired pneumonia is obviously one of the most common reasons for prescribing antibiotics in hospitals, but there's also very common um, admissions for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and asthma and bronchitis. These last three actually don't require antibiotics at all. So here you see we have very common causes of um, uh, inappropriate or even antibiotics that are not required. Community acquired pneumonia, there have been many um, guidelines and, and studies to try and improve prescribing, but clearly the message is perhaps not getting through, that in fact, um, in many occasions, you can use basic uh, penicillin rather than using the more broad-spectrum antibiotics like keftriaxone. So Dallas, the second most common cause of inappropriate prescribing is the finding that in patients who are audited on that day, those patients who are receiving antibiotics for surgical prophylaxis, um, a very significant proportion of those are due to what we would call um, extended, extended post-surgical prophylaxis. So um, again, for your listeners, any, there is absolutely no indication for surgical prophylaxis or antibodies given prior to surgery to continue uh, beyond a single dose or 24 hours. And in fact, what we're seeing are very significant rates of antibiotics being continued. This hasn't changed very much from our last year's surveys to this year's survey. And we know that we don't quite understand what the drivers are for surgeons to um, stop or why they're not stopping antibiotics after surgery. And there may be many, many reasons. The survey highlights areas of prescribing where we need to understand what are the drivers, why, why are doctors choosing more broad-spectrum antibiotics that are required or not switching to oral antibiotics early enough or even simply choosing the wrong antibiotic. There are many things that we can do. Um, Australia is one of the few countries in the world that actually has a national antibiotic guide, guideline called the Therapeutic Guideline. The second thing is I think that there are um, other people involved in patient care that need to be educated just like the doctors. There's a huge knowledge gap in our, new, in our junior doctors right up to our consultants in current issues relating to antibiotic resistance. Um, many of our junior doctors can't actually tell us um, examples of antibiotics in different classes um, and so we know that there's a lot of work that needs to be done at a very basic university curriculum level to increase knowledge so that they understand why they're prescribing. There are two other key groups. The pharmacists are a very key group. Um, they work very closely with us and in fact have, uh, often have to play the role of antibiotic police. They are very keen on ensuring that appropriate prescribing happens to the patients and they play an incredibly important role. Third group, which I think is very much underutilised, are the nursing staff. And certainly with my work in, with, with working with sepsis, once you engage the nursing staff to be drivers, um, to initiate patient care um, and to particularly um, coordinate patient care, such as switching from intravenous oral antibiotics once they're eating and drinking. 
and understanding how they can support that process through knowledge about antibiotics and guidelines, I think this is an area where we can really make a huge impact. What needs to be done to improve uh, the the ability for nurses to be involved in, in these sorts of conversations and decisions? In my, my approach these days is to provide exactly the same level of education regardless of the, of the um, clinical group. So my work with in the cancer group, particularly in, in sepsis and neutropenic fever, I give the same education to medical staff, pharmacy and nursing. They want to know, they need to understand. We have many nurses who want to learn about antimicrobial stewardship. They want to become involved in helping to coordinate patient care. I think there are there is a particularly exciting opportunity for nurses to train up as nurse practitioners. And in fact, I have one nurse practitioner that we're training up in infection um, and um, stewardship at, at PEDIMAC, it's, and it's wonderful. And I think these, because they see the patient in a very holistic way, once they become expert um, expert prescribers and understand it, I think they will they will play an increasingly important role. There is um, for those listeners who are interested, there is a excellent online antimicrobial antimicrobial stewardship. Um, program that's being run out of our colleagues in in um, Scotland, and that is available um, free of charge to register and and undertake that education program, and it's very much targeted to uh, general nurses. The Commission's Senior Medical Advisor, Professor John Turnage, mentioned that the survey shows there is still significant room for improvement in the appropriateness of antimicrobial prescribing at the hospital level. You mentioned education earlier. What are some other areas that should be focused on moving forward? I think this is really um, health services, uh, taking more health services approach to resolving the issue. We know that in 2013 was the, I guess, the start of uh, where hospitals had to meet hospital accreditation requirements for implementing antimicrobial stewardship. And certainly it was much easier in the tertiary hospitals that were well-resourced well with uh, on-site infectious diseases experts, um, pharma- uh, antimicrobial trained pharmacists who, who could support those programs. But one has to be mindful of the fact that a very small proportion of Australia's hospitals are actually in metropolitan areas and the vast majority are rural, regional and an equally large majority have sometimes less than 50 beds. And this means that there is little on-site expertise to support good um, prescribing for infections. So um, this really is about workforce capacity building and making sure that there is um, expertise across across all sectors of the Australian uh, healthcare system um, to support better prescribing. Thank you for joining me, Karen. My pleasure, Dallas.